you have to have that enabling ability to get people and carry people with you. So they, if they see that you're stoic about what you have to do, they'll come with you. But if they think that you're weak about it, you know, then you start losing folks on the way. So that's the one thing I think that is necessary to get across the finish line. very excited to be talking to you and more so because the question of jobs in our country there are so many data sets telling different things different numbers some are saying that the jobs are uh, bouncing back and some are saying that it's not uh, want to ask you ajit what are some of the things that you're seeing and, and especially in the wake of that you know i found that in bloomberg uh, you mentioned that jobs are returning in india as the economy recovers from lockdown related losses so tell us sure so if you look at the indian job market today hmm. there are 480 million people in the employable category out of the 480 million people 220 million are in the agro related sector so which means out of the rest about 120 million are migrant labor who come in to work uh, either in msmes in construction or real estate or in let's say grey collar jobs related to the e-commerce industry 120 million and then if you take in that 120 million there is about let's say i mean outside that there's about another let's say 75 million who are blue collar work and then there is about 15 15 15 million who are grey collar workers and about six who are uh, white collar and about let's say four who are in the high tech area you know four to four and a half million so mm. the breakup of this is basically uh, 340 million that would be 220 million in the agricultural sector and about let's say 120 million uh, in in let's say you know e-commerce logistics migrant labor etc what we are seeing is the monsoon has been good the rural economy is doing well and uh, you know there's not much that we're hearing about uh, large scale rural un- unemployment right now what's happening is that the migrant labor is coming back so we understand almost about 60 million have come back constructions and real estate have started up in a wee bit uh, in the hospitality and uh, travel related industry uh, there's also some pick up in that so we're seeing some pick up in that hotels uh, i've been hearing about a large chain that's having 50% occupancy uh, airports and uh, you know airlines are seeing in excess of 50 to 70% sometimes in terms of occupancy again so i think we are, we, are, we are seeing an uptick in some of these employment intensive areas and uh, uh, clearly uh, there are two levels of things that are happening one is the pandemic and how you manage the pandemic and the second yeah. one the so in terms of we, we have some success that we are encountering with the pandemic itself because the number of cases if you see today it's clearly less than 40000 in an average sometimes even uh, hovering around the 30000 mark far away from the 90 90000 plus levels that we were at so yeah. um this is a big influencer of obviously of employment itself and the fact that uh, vaccination could start in about let's say 2 months time in uk and some other areas you know there is uh, hope on the horizon so to say of uh, of change you know so the number that uh, cmi has put out is that we lost 18.9 million jobs right like uh, uh, salaried jobs from april uh, uh, to august uh, do you see that coming back so it will be sectoral um, i think we will see the first set of change in uh, in construction real estate then mm. we will start seeing the next set of change in um, consumer industry uh, with and and in let's say uh, banking and financial services 
and uh, you know and that's that will be the sequence but if you look at uh, let's say tech where about 4 and 1/2 million people are employed there's not been much of a change yeah so yeah. Clearly, the, those industries which have a, you know, a tech influence and investment i think uh, are clearly standing out to be uh, different from the rest there are some sectors which are also surprising in and again i'm talking in terms of the white uh, collar jobs like this weekend there was a huge noise in our uh, country at least on the social media uh, that uh, times group shut down mumbai mirror and 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 the mirror publication that had and 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 that has created a lot of uncertainty because in the journalism feed also now one is feeling the heat and a lot of people are being laid off so uh, journalism print media entertainment etc are more high decibel areas where you will find the noise level disproportionate to the extent of uh, pain that's being that's that's being felt i'm not bringing down the extent of uh, injuries yeah. to employment but i think there are larger segments of the economy which have been deeper hit which tend to get lesser attention uh, so i think uh, it's symptomatic of uh, the problem that we've got that you know there's disproportionate attention to some sectors the larger sectors in india today is msme actually the msme sector employs the most and that's what's been impacted uh, uh, severely i think also at another level after 7 8 months and with some level of support from the government msmes will start turning around and when they start turning around that will be one of the big influencers of getting employment back you run a very large recruitment firm if i may say so just tell us about uh, your organization sure so uh, one of the things i need to do is actually demystify quest a bit because it's not exactly a recruitment alone that we do it's one of the things that we do we that start So Quest is actually a business services enterprise and uh, our purpose is actually to help our client organizations run their run their organizations better so we help organizations to run better and how do we do it by getting them to be more productive getting them to be more resilient and getting them to be more customer focused etc what is the way by which we do this we identify their non core activities we outsource the non core activities and when we outsource the non core activities uh this results in basically their uh, focus on core functions increasing the reduction of cost and making them more profitable they enhance competitiveness by concentrating on the core a, a bit more and most importantly they develop out uh, they develop predictability in their outcomes because they have uh, partners like us to manage slas etc so that is the core of what we do that we help organizations run better now to help organizations run better and in areas that we are present in we are in workforce management we have an operations and maintenance business of of assets and finally we've got tech services so in workforce management we have general staffing professional staffing and skill development three areas in operation maintenance of assets there are three types of assets that we focus on the first one is real estate the second one is industrial assets you know uh, power plants mm. large industrial equipment and the third one is telecom infrastructure we maintain uh, telecom uh, networks and optimize them and maintain them for better call quality and lastly we have a tech business in the tech business that's a jv with the tatas incidentally they own about yeah. 10% and we own 70% in that we have a hro business in that where we manage payroll so much like a company like adp we manage about a million payroll in india so that's perhaps the largest set of lives that we manage by any single payroll operator we have an insurance business where we have about 38 insurance carriers that run off our uh, off our system we have a customer life cycle management business where we take calls 
you know, voice and uh, you know, non-voice based uh, customer lifecycle management. Finally, a bit of IT services. Uh, we have a bunch of growth business that are smaller, like Monster and DigiCare. But the core of what we do is basically people, assets and tech. That's what we are. Ajit, the wide spectrum of things that you do, Quest Corp does. I want to understand, you know, again, there are, there's this whole conversation around that Indian workforce. While we have a young workforce and we talk about it, is is lacking in the right skills. And I want to understand a little bit from you on what is your sense, because you're deploying people across the spectrum. You know, a little bit of historical perspective will be good here. If you look at the Indian economy and the employment market, till the early 90s, we were a licensed economic system. So uh, if you had an access to a license, you built a capital industry. Services was a very low element of our economy. 1991 is when the whole liberalization process started up. So first we saw telecom opening up. We saw banking and financial services then open up. Then we saw retail. Then we saw IT services and then, um, you know, uh, finally, right now, we're seeing entertainment and lot media and all of those internet related businesses that have captured the attention. So over the last, let's say, 30 years, what has happened, the employment structure in India has changed of, let's say, the type of people that, they, that the market needs. And in that process, education has not necessarily kept pace. Mm. So, for example, in the late 1990s and early 2000, when the BPO segment was growing straight off the back of uh, the Y2K, you know, uh, Y2K explosion that we had in India, there was, no, uh, there was no system that generated talent to meet with the BPO industry's requirements. Companies, yeah. stepped, the companies stepped up, trained people, uh, they cured people of mother tongue influence, MTI as it was, as it was called then, and then they, they created a workforce that went on to create, that went on to build India's uh, world-beating BPO system. So uh, on the other side, while uh, uh, the education system didn't, didn't pick up, uh, we also had the urban-rural divide. You know, we had the urban, uh, we had four, five large metros and then, it, and then a bunch of tier two cities. And then we had a large rural base. And there's, there was a huge migration. There's 120 million people who came into work out of the 480 million people who work in India as a sizable number. So yeah. they all came to work in, work in, in urban areas. So these two combined together created a workforce that was not necessarily fully equipped to deal with an economy that is growing at an average of 7 to 8%, one. And second, having to compete with uh, global players in, let's say, you know, uh, in the cutting-edge markets, uh, which is why the number of patents, let's say, that we are producing in India is much less. Or let's say our, uh, uh, our IP-related work that we output here is much less. We are basically still doing service-related tasks which are repetitive, and transactional nature, but that will change. I think also what's happened is with uh, with uh, uh, bandwidth going out and uh, and uh, it being accessible to so many people across. Uh, I think the access of bandwidth will help people educate through online courses. One second is you can take work out now from large offices to also uh, mm. home spaces. So you'll find uh, uh, some more uh, you'll find some more participation of let's say uh, a larger workforce base. Uh, implicit in this has been another problem. The participation of female workforce in India has been between yeah. 26%, one of the lowest in the world. Yes. So unless, uh, and, if, and if, let's say, one half of our uh, uh, population is non-participating 
in economic value creation, it's very half. It's very difficult for the other half to compensate for uh, the lack of uh, uh, economic output in one half. So I think these are some fundamental changes that have to take place. The economic and the educational system, female workforce participation, and greater attention at the policy level to the uh, to the uh, rural migration that's happening and the level of skilling that's for them. The last point I want to state here is that traditionally Indian companies, except for the ones that came post-liberalization, have not spent much money on training. And yeah. uh, training as a percentage, so training and R&D, two components of cost, uh, which are developmental in nature, have been below global standards. And unless these two start picking up again, um, I think we'll find ourselves at the bottom of the ladder in terms of skill ability and uh, the ability to compete with, uh, with uh, you know, on a productive basis with uh, international markets. What are some of the things that can be done? And then I just want to understand at QuestCorp, how do you see, like, how does it manifest? Because you are giving employment and, and working with such diverse set of people. So one, from your experience, what are you seeing? And the second is, what can be done? So female workforce participation, one win that we can achieve in a fairly quick measure is by actually handling our migrant worker well. Uh, look at the concept of, of migrant workers. Most probably, the people who leave rural centers and come out to work in urban centers are male. So yeah. the, there's, there's an inbuilt bias into uh, the statistic of, uh, of just the, the ingress is just male into the, into the system and very few females come. When the males come and they set up house and family, etc., they build a family around them, and the and the and the female partner tends to take care of uh, uh, of the requirements of the household, and sometimes does the job. Not al almost always. So you're finding uh, by nature that uh, your uh, by by your finding by habit, by pattern, and by uh, and by sort of uh, what's going on on the ground that. Uh, uh, female workforce participation will not go up because of this. So what the government should do specifically here is that encourage and uh, incentivize uh, the female partner in, uh, in, uh, in migrant workers to take up employment. So that will also come only if educational and health, educational health investments are made. If academic uh, uh, facilities for kids are available and uh, where they're able to substantially uh, you know, attend good education classes, etc., and come out with some with some sort of a degree which will help them get a job in the future. Then I think uh, their attention, their their uh, uh, number of units of uh, time that they have to spend on something like that comes down a lot. So I think you know, but it will take one generation to move the needle completely on this. But in that process, the uh, it may be the single largest contributor to uh, GDP change in India if we are able to pull this off. So you acquired Monster.com for around $6.5 million in early to, to, uh, 2018. How has that worked for you? So Monster for a long time has been sort of the bride in waiting in India for about 10 years, the number two, never really been uh, the number one. But we think that uh, this place for a number two uh, job board in India, it has about 62 million job seekers on board right now. Uh, it has more than 5,000 odd customers. We have more than 55,000 job applications per day. Our losses on the site have come down tremendously from when we bought two years ago. It's on the path of progress uh, that we've uh, that we've that we uh, that we estimated. Uh, the pandemic and its related slowdown, of course, has had an effect. I mean, we we can't take that away. But I think the changes in technology that we're doing there, the changes in people, product structure, etc., are beginning to show up. 
So I think it's about, let's say, six months to eight months away from uh, having a significant uh, change that it can display. Most importantly, what it did for Quest is get us into the digital world. I told mm. you the three do, you know, but it helped us connect with so many people digitally. It helped with finding jobs for so many of these people without having to, you know, uh, physically go through the whole process. And that I think is a big, uh, is a big investment that we made in learning the digital world. And that's, I think, paying off for us in a big way. Do you know, I was interviewing uh, some of these uh, new, uh, uh, new age platforms, which are giving, actually they are platforms or marketplace, if one may say so, uh, giving jobs to gig workers, uh, uh, to opportunities across the country. And, and, and the, you know, one very interesting thing I remember one of the entrepreneurs said, and this is all backed by Omid, they are uh, yeah. uh, the fund and one interesting thing that they said is that you know in India it's not that we lack jobs but the asymmetry of a job uh, provider and a job finder is very high and 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 that gap needs to be bridged. I just want to understand what is your sense on this. So that's uh, precisely the point: the asymmetry of supply and demand. And I mm -hmm. think uh, Monster and a host of other players, what and in the physical space, what Quest does is actually connect demand and supply. So we're able to identify what sort of demand is there and then identify right sources of supply and then bring it on on time. But tasking actually brings another dimension to this. What tasking does is actually pays for outcomes. It doesn't pay for employment. It pays mm. for outcomes. And second one is it brings flexibility. It brings flexibility because you can upscale and downscale, you know, as soon as you want. And it's not related to employment contracts, it's related to a task. And finally, there's a tech backbone. That tech backbone, you can you can keep tweaking it to ensure that your productivity goes up. So there's an inbuilt bias towards tasking if you can pull it off because it gives you so many advantages. But having said that, the, the regulatory system and the legislative uh, uh, sort of paradigm does not allow tasking very easily. The newer labor codes today allow for that. And uh, uh, social security benefits are not usually given to uh, to such people. But the, the new codes, yeah. so that's a positive sign. And uh, I think we'll find uh, the asymmetry coming down a bit now, you know, with uh, also an increased attention to the, uh, the rural migration that's happening. So we'll be able to bring in people, train them, deploy them in more specific areas related to an industry, hopefully in the future. I have to ask you one question, which is, you know, this is the conversation you see, of, you know, various stakeholders in the country uh, discussing. And again, there is no clear answer to this and, and, and of course government's big focus on employment and, and job creation. If you had to say you are a leader in this space, you are creating employment opportunity uh, in our country. If you had to say what are the two, three things the government should do uh, to create more jobs in India? Well, the first thing is uh they should try and move more people from the informal sector to the formal sector. Because when you, when you bring more people from the informal sector into the formal sector, they get, they get more predictability in their incomes, there is social security benefits, and there's hopefully some skill development that will happen. With that, it has its own uh, effect. You know, it has a roll-on effect. Because if you enhance skills, make their outcomes more predictable, their productivity level improves, establishments get uh, higher profit levels, hopefully, through this process, and then they can go up the value chain. Otherwise, they stagnate at the bottom. One is that. Second is uh, infrastructure improvement is completely uh, you know, lacking in India. So let's say public transportation systems. Uh, 
um, you know, health and education systems in, in large urban areas. You know, in 2000 and, uh, 2001 or so, when I shifted to Bangalore, Bangalore was a small, sleepy town of maybe about three to five million, three to four million people. Today, we've got 10 million, 11 million people here on the last count. In 20 years, it's gone up uh, almost two and a half times. But uh, the infrastructure it, has not really, take, has not really uh, you know, proportionately changed over time. So you have to invest in infrastructure. And the third thing is that our educational system needs, uh, needs a greater focus to output skills that uh, employment uh, will need. Uh, employment follows economy consumption demand. So you have to, there is a sequence of things that have to be, have to be done. If only to focus on employment is not going to change the math. So, you know, once investment comes in, public expenditure comes in, you create more infrastructure, that sets off demand in, let's say, core sector. From core sector, it comes back to, you know, salaries that people are making and consumer demand goes up. Then the consumer industry picks up again. So it's, it, it's going to come back to also government spending. And uh, we're hoping that the government will, uh, you know, in, in coming out of COVID, will spend a bit more and, uh, and we'll, we'll see some more investment coming in. You're India's largest private sector employer providing staffing services to companies. Could you give us a sense of the scale and the numbers you operate at? Uh, sure. So this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, before the pandemic had about 385,000 people. Right now we are about 330,000 odd. Uh, still maybe the largest private sector employer in India. Uh, we grew this number on the back of a very successful general staffing business. In most of the business that we're present in, we're either number one, two, or three in India. For example, even in Singapore, we're number one in, general, in professional staffing. And uh, we're in Sri Lanka, we're among the top two or three in general staffing. So I think we're building a world-scale company now, you know, progressively over the next, let's say, three to five years' time. By headcount, definitely, we'll be among the top two or three business services companies in the world. But revenue... Uh, uh, in the next five to seven years time, we'll be getting to some point in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the metrics, you know, so, uh, in, uh, and what's actually led, led this is mostly inorganic led investments that we made, uh, to build two, uh, segments, basically operations and maintenance of assets and the tech business, but most of the growth, that's the, the volume growth has happened after we bought these assets. And we've organically built these assets. Mm -hmm. So while you while you're tempted to look at uh, Quest and say that it's a uh, it's an inorganic growth story, the real growth in our company has come out of uh, execution of uh, of the of of the business plans in each of these companies. If you had to tell entrepreneurs and 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 CEOs who are building young organizations on how to look at building an organization and building strong execution capabilities, what are some of the things you'd like to tell them? So uh, some of the things that have been key to us as we've grown Quest is the fact that we've always looked long term. Uh, we've never we never uh, a quarter focused company, although we do have to present quarterly results as a listed company. But our investments and our outlook and our management, uh, 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 our management direction is not to look at a quarter focus based result. So the one thing I tell entrepreneurs is look long term. The second one is building teams. A number of people who work with us at the top have been with us for a long while, maybe, mm. for, maybe for 15 years, etc. across from my first entrepreneurial venture. So building teams is very, very important. So long term building teams, a return on cash focus, or how much, what are your, what are your cash collections? You know, do you have a 20% return on equity? And, uh, you know, uh, that's important to keep as a, 
as a con- constant focus item you know while you review your business uh, i think also you must enjoy the work that you do if you if you are let's say running a restaurant you must enjoy food if you're running mm-hmm. entertainment business you must enjoy making people laugh you know if you enjoy an employment we must uh, we must uh, really like to create better people and better organizations through this process and lastly i think we must have another life other than the job that we do you know so, so something that takes some attention away from everyday routine and you come back refreshed to uh, take an interview or, or you know do a review meeting you know one of the to do any of these things you need to get another life to to have some variety in in your thinking and to bring in some creativity into your work as well ajit if i have to ask you what is that one thing and one i'm i know i'm i'm putting it in a bracket kind of a thing but what's that thing that you've enjoyed most about being in quest being in the role you are the chairman and md of press corp here what is it that you've enjoyed the most about what you are doing you know um, as an entrepreneur the, the one thing that you get and particularly at quest what i've enjoyed is i think the ability to create impact mm. you know, really can create impact on my on my team for one lot of my people have joined me many years ago they worked with me as uh, as youngsters maybe you know 15 years ago we were all a little younger than what we are today so you know <laughs> uh, just out of college some of them and you know we built careers here so that i've enjoyed that how to enjoy to today sit back and see how somebody's delved from being a field manager today to being a ceo you know yeah. and the transformation of people their abilities their confidence level their economic success and their ability to build businesses and their thinking you know so it's great to see how people are developed second this uh you know when we have 385000 people we're employing almost about 100000 people every year additionally mm. so uh, it's almost maybe 1% of the new workforce that's coming into india you know we india adds about let's say 10 million people every year a little bit more than that maybe and more than let's say 100 to 150000 people we add every year so we we, we are uh, able to make uh, it's an organization of scale and there is uh, you know across almost 80% of the districts in india we work more than 600 plus districts we work in almost 80 plus districts so i think there's significant impact that we create in terms of employment and lastly when you do when you do well in business you're able to do good as well you know we have a yeah. foundation so in the foundation we we currently engage with about 53 odd schools about almost 13 to 14000 children we are, we are involved with their education today mostly right. at the, at the uh, bottom end of society where they're less fortunate so that these are the things that give uh, uh if if you asked about what is the one thing that gives you you know so uh, the one thing that gives us a lot of joy is actually the impact that we can create and these are the manifestations of impact that we can have what is that you know not dream but what is it that keeps you going is there something that you're going after something that keeps you excited what would that be so you know to be successful as an entrepreneur i think you have to be very stoic you have to be mm. you know very resilient you can't get pushed around by an incident that happens today lose your cool you're allowed to lose your cool hopefully but you know <laughs> not allowed to get uh, pushed around and lose your focus etc you know because you're always setting the tone you're set you you have you have a leadership role so you have to be completely uh, dogmatic to to a point about uh, what you want to do and your uh, and how you handle a challenge and uh, flexible to use all the resources that you need to get a job done so it's yeah. a contrast but i think uh, uh, that stoicism to you know stay focused 
and to not dilute your uh, energy levels or your passion to get something go- something finished uh, is uh, is i think important every entrepreneur you know his uh, his success comes only across getting when he gets across the finish line it's not uh, it's not how much time he spent in the middle but finally you know how much uh, he's achieved when he fin- when he gets across the finish line and how many people he's uh, impacted in the process and to be able to do that you have to have the temperament you have to have uh, uh you have to have that enabling ability to get people and carry people with you so they if they see that you're stoic about what you have to do they'll come with you but if they think that you're weak about it you know then you'll start losing folks on the way so that's the one thing i think that is necessary to get across the finish line thank you enjoy talking to you thank you thank you so much